The moment has arrived. What I'm talking about, man. I keep talking about the Super Bowl, man. Super Bowl 50 is here. The Broncos are going to Super Bowl 50. And we are there on Yahoo Sports Radio, live from San Francisco. There will be some Panther silver at the Golden Anniversary Super Bowl. The Carolina Panthers, champions of the NFC, are headed to Super Bowl 50. Yahoo Sports Sports Super Week. Week. Live from the site. It was caught. It's a touchdown. Broncos. They know I'm getting the ball. They know I'm getting the ball tonight, too. Panthers. He knew he was going to do it, Superman. At five yards, he says, I'm going to go ahead and jump over the top because this is going to be an easy touchdown. Cam Newton, the legend grows. Battling for Lombardi. I'm getting the ball. On Yahoo Sports Radio. The new YahooSportsRadio.com. I'm going to get the ball tonight. Thanks to our friends at Mahindra taking us to Radio Row for Super Bowl 50. How much y'all charge? And Yahoo Sports Super Week, made possible by Granger. Ain't too much talking to be going on tonight. All about Are you ready? It's, it's Yahoo, Yahoo Sports, Sports Super, Super Week. Hey, we're calling the Plays, all right? Now live from the Moschione Center in San Francisco, California, this is a special edition of Talk of Fame. Live from the Super Bowl. Now, Ron Borges, Clark Judge, and Rich Goslin. This is the Talk of Fame Network. I'm Clark. We've got Ron here, and not Rich. We got Rick Gosselin. Yes, we do have Rick. News. We He's got Rick Gosselin from the Dallas Morning News. We're and for we're Rich. at the Moscone Center. And we have a deflated football 50. Yeah, Clark's honor. Um, Pretty soft this week. You know, guys, I know we all walked over here. It's a good thing we don't have drug testing for the media. Just walking over here. Wow, some strange smells on oh, the boy. streets. Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah, you can't go a block without saying, hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, right. it's San Francisco. Life and, is you know, good. Different aspect. Um, listen, um, you know, yesterday we were talking about Johnny Manziel. We were. And um, uh, how tough it's going to be for the Dallas Cowboys and Rick Goslin <laughs> to absorb. <laughs> Easy for them, hard for him. Johnny football. Look at that look at his Johnny face. football it's mania. Pain already. And, and I know this is a uh, talk of fame show, and Johnny Manziel's got fame and infamy. So before we get into our guests, and we're going to have. Tyler Lockett from the Seattle Seahawks. Not a first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, Johnny Manziel. (laughs) Neither is Tyler Lockett. Well, Um, not yet. He's a rookie who made quite an impression this year. We're going to have Eddie D on here, too. Uh, Hall of Fame candidate Eddie DeBarlo. A Hall of Famer Jerry Rice on him as well. Um, And we're going to have Mike Haynes, another Hall of Famer and friend of the show. The best Um, cornerback I've ever seen. But um, before we get to that, I want to talk to Johnny Manziel and talk about him. I'd love to talk to him, but I'd like to talk about him. We can Uh, find him. We can talk. Um, Interesting story today. Your man, Michael Irvin, friend of the show, Hall of, of Famer. Show. We says, love Michael Irvin. You know what? Bring him on. Johnny Manziel should go to the Cowboys if he's released. If he's released, I'd love to have him come here. If he's released. Yeah, well, he will be released. I'd love to have him come here. And furthermore, I'm willing to work with him. So, oh boy. two things. One, going to the Cowboys, I'm not so sure how that works out. But if it does, he go if he goes to the Cowboys. Secondly, you want Michael Irvin working with him? <laughs> I remember Charles Haley stepped up last year when they're going to sign Greg Hardy, and they still had issues with Hardy with Haley on campus. I, I, Michael Irvin's not the problem. Johnny Manziel's the problem. I, right. And Michael Irvin, I believe, is an uh, employee of the NFL Network, isn't he? Uh, last That's time I checked, tough. it's going to be tough. Uh, take weekends off and go uh, go work with Johnny. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, uh, again, Tuesdays are the problem. Tuesdays are the problem. I think Johnny needs more help than Michael Irvin can provide. Well, yeah, unless he's got a doctorate in, in you know, psychotherapy. Look, the guy's got some pretty serious issues. You know, these latest uh, uh, 
don't know if you want to call them charges or not, but this latest police report where he supposedly threatened to kill his girlfriend and himself uh, tells you there's a guy begging for somebody to help him. Begging. And instead they just want him to play football. Well, Michael Irvin understands that. He says... I want to help him, and Jerry Jones wants to help well, maybe him. Maybe they do, but no. the first thing to do is say, you know what, we want to help you so much when you're not going to play football for yeah. a while. But what if they're going to put up a, new, a Statue of Liberty in front of the new complex in Frisco. Bring me your tired, your poor. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, no. here's what Mike... Uh, but let me say, if you play football next year, my money says it's with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, yeah no, probably. I agree I agree with you. I agree with you. But, Goose, you've been down this road before. You had Greg Hardy this year. You've had Pac-Man Jones in the past. You had... Terrell really Owens did. in the past. <laughs> You've had a I forgot about Pac-Man Jones. Underwood, go on and Yeah, on and just on. go on. But, but, but Michael Irvin said today uh, on the Rich Eisen show, um, I love the game of football, and the game of football saves lives. Oh, sure. There will come a time when he, meaning Johnny Manziel, will cross over that threshold and become a great player. Basically saying, I want to be there when that happens. I want to help him. And it's going to happen with the Dallas Cowboys. Let me just say this. The last stop in the NFL for Ryan Leaf also was a Dallas Cowboys. That is correct. And Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Leaf is a guy who should not have played that football that season. He should have stayed in Tampa as a backup and gotten his life straightened out before he jumped into the circus. Right. I mean, Cleveland, if you, can't, if you can't stay out of trouble in Cleveland, good luck in Dallas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, I think Irvin on some levels has, you know, there's something to be said for that, you know. Uh, look at Chris Carter. Chris Carter was heading, right. clearly heading the wrong way. Yeah. And Buddy Ryan, you know, kicked him out, but at the same time put his arm around him and said, you know, if you clean up this, you can be that. And Chris Carter made a choice. And that's what what it is. With, Michael Irvin had to make a choice, which ultimately he did. Uh, and, you know, the right one. You know, now Johnny Manziel is going to have to make some choices. But you can't make that choice until you can see what, uh, you know, where the problem really is. And it's staring back at you when you look in the mirror. That's hard for a young anybody to do. It's really hard for a young kid to do when you're surrounded by people telling you how great you are. And this is the guy who won the Heisman Trophy, first right. freshman ever to win the Heisman Trophy. Right. right. He was right. put on a pedestal from day one as a college football player. He doesn't know uh, that there are rules. You know, right. his path is, he, I'm not sure he can choose to be right and wrong. He feels whatever his path is, is right. Right. And that's why he continues to get some the trouble. Ron, in an odd way, this strikes me as a guy that I know you're familiar with because you were in Baltimore at the time, and that's Arch Leister, in, yeah. a, in an odd way. Right. Arch Leister was a phenom as a young player at Ohio State, but he kept getting worse right. with each year. Then he comes to the Colts as a first-round draft choice, and I was there when he was there, and he had some serious issues. But it, it wasn't alcohol and it wasn't drugs. It was gambling. Right, he had the Jones. Yeah, and, and they couldn't correct him. And I remember, honestly, his first day of practice, he threw a ball, and someone said to Frank Cush, who was on the coach, shouldn't your first-round draft pick, the quarterback, be able to throw a spiral? <laughs> well, I don't think that's a problem with Manziel. But. You know, it's not the problem. But that was the beginning of the end for Arch Leister. But, you know, they couldn't correct him, and maybe maybe nobody in football can correct this guy. Right. Well, I think, you know, to, uh, I'm somewhat sympathetic to what I think his problems are, <clears throat> which are clearly, you know, psychological problems and, and emotional problems, and, and which have led to uh, substance abuse problems i don't think you got to be you know a, a career-long drug con- or, or a, a substance abuse counselor to see that guy wants to blow his brains out uh, i don't care if he's drunk or sober something's going on man right, because right. if you boil it all away let me get this right you're the, you know your grandfather made a quadrillion bucks in the oil business you're gonna you know you're gonna be rich for 15 more generations you've got this tremendous gift of physical talent to play a game and even if you don't, you go back and be a rich oil guy. And 
as you say, Goose, you won the Heisman Trophy when you were a freshman, you're a number one draft pick, and you want to kill yourself? Yeah. And it, the sad thing is, he has ability. He, he has oh, yeah, ability he's got to play ability. in this league. Right. He, he stood in the pocket this season and threw for over 300 yards against the Steelers. Uh, he goes to Seattle. On the first drive, he takes him seven, 17 plays, 80-some 80, 80 yards uh, for a score. I mean, he, he, he's done it against good defense. He's got the ability. He just has – he lacks the focus. Because uh, Ron was talking about choices, and I want to switch this to another conversation involving the Cowboys. Talk about choices. They have a choice at the fourth spot in the draft, and Troy Aikman said today, you know what they should do? They should consider a quarterback at that number four spot. He didn't address Manziel. He talked about the draft and said – we should actually go in a different direction here. Consider quarterback. I've, I've been writing that for the last month. I mean, this is I guess where you, you. This is where you get the franchise quarterbacks top five in the in the NFC title game uh, this past year. There were three players selected number one overall, and Tom Brady. I mean, this is where you get the elite quarterbacks. Uh, the, the overwhelming majority of quarterbacks in Super Bowl history were first round draft picks. More overwhelming number of quarterbacks who have won. Or first-round draft picks. This is, and you don't get in the top five very often. When you get in the top five, you better check and see if there's a quarterback there. And this is a team with a 36-year-old quarterback right. with the injury history. Guy's got back problems, got collarbone problems. You don't know. He he missed 12 games last year. Right. He may miss another dozen games, eight games this year. You better have a young guy in the queue because when Aikman retired because of concussions, there was no heir apparent. And they spun their wheels for five and six years going through the Ryan Leafs, the Quincy Curtis, the Chad Hutchinsons before they found Tony Romo. Do you have a quarterback in mind? Well, there's three of them that they are potentially up there. I mean, Carson Wentz is the guy that's got everybody's eyes coming out of the socket. Uh, he's got all the physical tools out of North Dakota State. But here's a guy that's going to be a big jump from North Dakota State, the speed of that game, the caliber of players to the NFL. Yeah, you would expect Cleveland to take a quarterback ahead of I Dallas. would expect Cleveland to take Jared Goff of Cal. He's the most NFL-ready right now. And if you're cutting uh, Johnny Manziel, you should have somebody to play. Yeah, if you're Cleveland, you got to take the, what you think is the safest pick. Right. Be it won't be the guy from North Dakota State. And it's not going to be Johnny Manziel either. It's going to be uh, adios, muchacho. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> um, when we come back, we're going to be talking not to a quarterback, but to a return specialist, as in Seattle's Tyler Lockett, the only rookie on the All-Pro team. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. We're back from Super Bowl 50. This is the Talk of Fame Network. And as you know, the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, just log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. As I did this minutes. morning. What? I did it this morning. <laughs> How'd it work? Right now, my computer is faster than Tyler Lockett. There you go. <laughs> Within minutes, you can download software that can clean up what may be thrown down. That's MyCleanPC.com. As Ron referenced it, as we said before, as promised, Tyler Lockett from the Seattle Seahawks is here. Tyler, thanks for joining us. As we said um, he's the only rookie on the All-Pro team and the night the 2015 All-Pro team, and he went on as a return specialist. And now he is actually a 2015 Pepsi Rookie of the Year finalist. And that announcement is going to be made tomorrow, Tyler. So how excited are you to find out about the winner? I'm very excited. I mean, honestly, you know, all I can say is I'm blessed. You know, between all the accolades, whether it was college and now as the NFL in my first rookie year, I mean. I, I can honestly just say I'm humbled and I'm truly enjoying the experience in every moment. Um, not too many rookies can stand here and say that, number one, they made it to the all-pro team. And, you know, I was blessed to be able to have, you know, a lot of people vote me in on that. Also being able to be voted in in the Pro Bowl and having an opportunity to be a representative of Pepsi just to be able to be a nominee to where, um, you know, I'm going to be there with Amari Cooper, Marcus Peters, Ty Gurley, 
Jameis Winston, some some guys who had phenomenal seasons as well, right. um, rookie year. And so, you know, I'm very excited. You know, whether I win or whether I lose, I'm excited because only one person can win this award. Drink a lot of, did you drink a lot of Pepsi's in Aggieville? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we can't talk about Aggieville. <laughs> Yeah, I, I drank I drank enough Pepsi's, but I, the good thing is I don't drink or anything like that, so I didn't have to deal with any of that. You came from a top shelf program at Kansas State. H- yes. How much of a jump was it from K State to the NFL? Uh, I mean, it wasn't a huge jump. I would say that Kansas State really helped me out a lot, just because we practiced so long, and Coach Snyder, <laughs> Coach Snyder's a military type of coach, and so. You know, everything we did, it was like, man, our legs are tired, our body hurts, but we had to learn how to push through. And so you would hit that wall real fast, but then all of a sudden, next year, that wall just builds and builds. And so when I got to the NFL, it was a lot easier on my body. It was a lot more easier mentally and stuff like that. So I I thank Coach Snyder for being able to help me and put me in a great situation. You know, Tyler, I know in your first uh, appearance, you went 103 yards uh, with a return against Denver in a preseason game, and then four weeks later you return a punt 57 yards for a touchdown. So I assume your mom told you I always make a good first impression on people. <laughs> you know, what, was going, what were you thinking when that first ball came down to you? And the next thing you know, you're 100 yards up the oh, field. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I had about three or four returns before that, and one I thought I almost got loose. But, you know, the biggest thing was um, it's funny because when I scored, I had talked to my dad on the phone. And he was like, right whenever you cut it went left, I was like, what is he doing? Because usually you can't outrun people whenever you decide to run sideways. And he was like, oh, nobody's there. Oh, maybe he's a kicker. And then he just started screaming and yelling. And so, I mean, it was just one of those things in which he was like, you're not supposed to do that. But yeah, it worked out. So it worked it out. Your dad would know, too, wouldn't he? Oh, yeah, he definitely would know. But he, he wasn't the type of person who wanted to do punch. But he played, too, didn't he? Yes. So he played He played with the Chiefs, Redskins, Jaguars, Jets, and then my uncle played as well. Tyler, little known fact about you, you're one of two players in NFL history to have at least five receiving touchdowns, a kickoff return for a touchdown, and a punt return for a touchdown in the same season. Yeah. The other guy? Gail Gale Sayers. Sayers. And he went to my rival school. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he did. And you know about Gail Sayers. Oh, yeah. You have know, you ever seen films of him playing? You know what? Coach Carroll sent me a highlight tape. He he, met, he texted me the highlight tape during the season. He was just telling me to watch it. And he was like, man, you remind me just like him and stuff like that. And I was like, only thing is he went to my rival school. So I, I don't know. But, yeah, I heard a lot of things about him. Special player, Hall of Fame player. Oh, yeah, Hall of Fame player. And just to be able to be mentioned with him as well, I mean, that's something big as well. Not too many people do kick off at punt returns, but the, no. even when they do it, you know, not too many people score. So to be able to be in the same conversation as Gail Sayers, I mean, that means a lot to me as well. How much more important are special teams in the NFL than they were in college? Oh, I mean, it's very important. You can win a game um, by special teams. I mean, we see it every single week, week in and week out, you know, whether it's a kicker winning the game, whether he's losing the game, whether it's a return that, you know, sets up the end of the game, whatever it is, you, you win off of special teams. And so I learned even at Kansas State, special teams make a huge difference. And so if I have the opportunity to put our offense on the other side of the opponent's field, then I'll do that. If I have the opportunity to score, then I'll do that because it puts us in the best position to win. How important do you think special teams would be this week? Oh, I think it'd be. I think that's going to be the determining factor of who wins the game. Obviously, both offenses are tremendous, and the defenses are tremendous as well. I got the opportunity to watch Denver versus um, New England, and being able to see how Denver hits and stuff like that is going to be a great game. But I think what's going to set up who wins is field position. Denver finished seventh in special teams this year, and Carolina finished thirtieth. Yeah, but the thing wow. about it is, it's playoff time. Anything can happen. <laughs> Carolina might run a punt back and a kickoff return, and 30th was, like, really second. 
Were you surprised at all this year when you got there and found out just how much time, you know, there's, I think people on the outside look at special teams as like something you do if you're not going to be, you know, playing wide receiver, if you're not going to be playing linebacker and covering but it's it's a job in it in itself. Were you surprised at all at the amount of time this just goes into you know meetings on that side of, of football? Oh, not at all. Because like I said, being at Kansas State, that's what we focused on every single day. We focused on we had like a ten minute period. Then all of a sudden we went through practice, and then we had another period where we did the same exact thing, <laughs> but it was like more of four minutes or two minutes, and so. Um, you know, when I got to Seattle, I mean, it was the same thing. You know, it was the same exact thing. We might have focused on it a little bit more, but, you know, I already knew a lot about it thanks to Snyder and Sean Snyder and Coach Coleman and everybody, and it just put me in a good situation because people say, if you want to stay in the league, special teams is the key. And for me, it was punt return, kickoff return. And so if everybody was just going to know me as a returner, I was cool with that because return was going to open up the door for me to be that fifth or sixth receiver to suit up to where I'll be able to play receiver as well. You don't have to remind people in Minnesota about that, the end of that <laughs> ball game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, Sorry. you talk about a swing of emotions. That was hard. Yeah. And that's a good kicker, Blair Walsh. Yeah, he's a great kicker. And, and you know, it, it, it's, I, I can't even find any words because nobody ever wants to be, you know, in that position. Um, and, you know, I, I really hope that, you know, he, he'll be okay with that. You know, it's all about learning and the adversity and stuff that came with it. I know a lot of people have said a lot of things about that situation, but, you know, the way that he'll come back, I think he's going to come back a lot stronger, and I think that that's going to show his true character. Tyler, what makes Russell Wilson special? Uh, well, he's everything that people said that he couldn't be. So I think that's what makes him special. They said he was too short. <laughs> They said he couldn't throw. They said he couldn't read defenses, yet he did something that not too many quarterbacks has ever done this year. I think that he fell into a great system. You know, he's able to do the things that he's good at, you know, not what other people want him to be good at. He sticks to his craft, what he does best, and that's what he does to bring to the table to allow us to be successful. Does he do things that amaze you? Oh, yeah, you know, all the time. Um Bring back up the Minnesota game. Um, we had a bad snap. Things were not going our way. Any other quarterback, I believe, would just fall on the ball, live to play another down. But not only did he fall, but he got back up, started running around, and then I just tried to find my way to maneuver everybody. And not only is he running away from six, seven people, but he's throwing the ball. When the when the end of the season comes the way it, it did, it was only one happy team. A lot of people will say at the end of the season, and it's sort of an abrupt ending. Boom! You know, one yeah. minute you think it's over, then bang. How did, how did you sort of deal with that sort of shock that suddenly it's over? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously it hurt to know that you know you think you're going to have another week, and then as soon as you lose, it's over, and you never know really how to explain it. But you know, the biggest thing is you don't want it to happen again, and so you got to focus on the next time. Tyler, we're out of time, but I want to tell you thank you so much for dropping by. And best of luck to you with the voting tomorrow. Hey, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Give me a garbage daggy, though. (laughs) (laughs) That was Tyler Lockett, the only rookie voted to the All-Pro team. Tyler, thanks again. Hey, no problem. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. We're coming back with Eddie DeBartolo and Jerry Rice. Well, this is the Talk of Fame Network, and we're back with two members, not of San Francisco society, San Francisco royalty. And if you don't believe it, you should see the crowd that's around us. They've been chanting for Eddie DeBartolo. They've been chanting for Jerry Rice. And guess what? We've got both I thought it was here. for us. <laughs> no, not for you guys. Come on, guys. We've got both of them here. Right. JR is a Hall of Famer, and Eddie's a candidate for the Hall of Fame this year. And 
Mr. D, I'm going to ask you, first off, right out of the bat, how nervous are you? I'm nervous that I'm not sleeping very well, and I'm <laughs> nervous that my stomach's bothering me. Yeah. Uh, I have a bad knee, and it's better now. <laughs> it's my head that's bothering me. But, I, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm You sleeping? Oh, I've, if I get a little bit of help. <laughs> JR? I know. It, it's, it's really tough because I remember even the day of. And I had those butterflies, and, you know, it's a very elite group of individuals. And Eddie DiBarlo, what he has done for the city of San Francisco and also for the San Francisco 49ers, he should be in the Hall of Fame. And, hey, look, this is Super Bowl 50. This isn't our backyard. Right, that's right. So I can't think of uh, a perfect time for him to go in. It's ideal. You know, Eddie, one of the things I always think about, we've talked about this on the show before, uh, is that uh, historically a lot of people know, and Jerry would know, a lot of people don't realize that uh, when you f- sort of first came along, I mean, there was a war between the owners and the players. I mean, I mean, I always tell the story that uh, made Steve Young flip out that Tech Schramm in a union uh, negotiation turns to Gene upside and says, you don't get it. Oh, yeah. You're the cattle and we're the ranchers. Yeah. And that was right, really right. how they That's, felt, you know, right. and you really sort of changed that. What? led you to do it that way, and how much pushback was there from your fellow owners when you started out treating these guys like human beings? Well, you know, I, I, I mean, the pushback probably came a little bit later. I mean, it, it, I, took a lot of, I took a lot of grief early on. I, uh, Clark knows this. When I, I mean, back in 1977, they wanted to run me out of town on a rail. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I did a lot of things that were, were stupid because I really uh, – I didn't know whether the football was blown up or stuffed <laughs> when I came out here. And I made my mistakes. And uh, uh, I think I just started, even with the players that we had back then, most of the players in 1977 on the 49ers team were older than I was. Not, the majority wow. of them were. But, you know, I, I just wanted a family atmosphere. And I said that at the, at the press conference. And, uh, it was a business. You know, everybody laughed at me when I said it was a business. And not, right now it's probably one of the biggest businesses in the world. Right. right. I, remember, I remember, guys, when I first met Eddie. And I looked at him and I said, this guy is so young. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was like, this is the owner of the San Francisco 49ers? Right. Boy, right. How he's Where's his dad? And I, said, I said, wow, you know, it's just unbelievable. But it was that, that family. That's why we won so many football games and we won so many Super Bowls, you know, that closeness. And it started from upstairs. Then it feathered down into the locker room. And, you know, it's like it's a tradition thing. And and I remember Bill Walsh, he said, look, when we go on the road, it's a business trip. You look a certain way. Right. And like I said, it started from upstairs. And that's why we uh, we were able to uh, do. Uh, great things on the football field. Jerry, hard as it is for people to believe, and some people around here know it, you played for another team or other teams yeah. besides the 49ers. How different How was different? Eddie than other night, owners? Night and day. How? It was night and day. And and I remember sitting down with Al Davis. And Al Davis, uh, you know, great individual. But he wanted to make sure I was totally committed to the silver and black. But the way we traveled and just certain things and and – I think if the organization is intact, everything is perfect upstairs, you're going to have success on the football field. And that's what we had in San Francisco. Right. Now you go to a, 
a lot of other places, it's not the same way. But I, I think that's why we were able to have so much success. Did you know that difference existed, or did, or did you have to go to those other places? No, 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 no. I I was spoiled to death, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> then I woke up, and it was like, oh, man, this is reality now. <laughs> this is what I got to deal with. But, you know, because of this guy, man, we had so much success here in San got One question. It's a non-Eddie DeBartolo question, yeah. but we've been asked to ask this, and I'm going to ask you. The greatest catch in Super Bowl history by anyone, by anyone, any any catch that you would mark as the greatest Super Bowl the catch? The greatest catch? Yeah. I don't... Wow. David Tyree? Yeah. Well, with the one up against where he was holding the ball upside his helmet yeah. and stuff like that, <laughs> that was the play, and everybody... That was unbelievable because of how Eli, he was able to get away from those defenders and just threw it downfield, and how, Tyree came down with it. How about the greatest catch this guy ever made for you? Uh, <laughs> God. I, I mean, it... You know what I remember? That I think the Giants. There was a there was a catch when we were uh, we were getting beat by the Giants. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the greatest one. <laughs> what? Uh, we were playing. I think we were playing Cincinnati in oh, Cincinnati, and we were behind oh, in the hell yeah. mary, oh, the hell right. mary. And Eddie, he was already on his way to the locker room to, to chew everybody out. No. Yeah, he was. He was fired up. He was. He was ready to chew everybody. Oh. We walked in, and and it was like they won. They won. Eddie started mocking people around. Doing all that. That's when Cincinnati ran on fourth down. That's yeah. correct. Yes, yes, that's right. Yes, Sam Weish. I'll never forget that. Bill Walsh literally skipped yeah, across yeah, the field. Yeah, he did. And, uh, to shake oh, his hand. So Eddie already had got a head start, though. Much. Eddie was ready to chew us out. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I never yelled at you. <laughs> Eddie, when Jerry first got there, uh, you know, it's well documented. You know, initially I had trouble catching some, some balls. Oh, yeah, I had a few. Oh, yeah. A few, you know, occasionally it happens. Uh, what was going through your mind as the owner? Do you sit there and say, "Oh, you know, I'm supportive of my guys," or do you sit there saying, "Is this guy going to catch the ball?" Or, you know, well, you know your head? I mean, he had two boards when he first came there, <laughs> catching all those bricks when he was but, a kid from his dad. You know, I think that, that what I remember best is in the Giants in the playoff game when. There wasn't anybody around him. He's running yeah. down the field. He dropped the Thanks ball. Thanks a lot, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Hey, by the way, those boards are in the Hall of Fame. They are. <laughs> yes, they are. But he, obviously, yeah. he's turned out to be the greatest, obviously the greatest pass receiver in history. Oh. And, you know, in my opinion, probably the greatest football player. This That's what Mike Shanahan right? said. Mike Shanahan yeah, said, not the greatest pass receiver, greatest player ever. Yeah, I think so. Question for you. There's a Hall of Fame coach in Canton. That's Bill Walsh. So how much responsibility does Eddie get for those teams? Bill Walsh took you to three Super Bowls. George got two. Um, where does Eddie fit in there with Bill? I think he should be right with Bill Walsh. And, you know, because with Eddie and, and bringing Bill on as the head coach and the tree that Bill Walsh, that he was able to make with so many other great coaches going on to be head coaches. Right. You know, it started with uh, this guy right here. How much of what you did was, uh, I always think these things, in terms of how you treat people, is taught to you by somebody else. Was it your dad, your mom? Your, it was my your, father. Yeah. Well, your mother always teaches you yeah. the good things. Yeah. And right. my father taught me good things, too. It's the way he ran the company. You know, everybody in our company was treated like they were part of the family, no matter who they were. And I tried to do that with the 49ers from the equipment manager, yep. Ted Walsh, right up to Bill Walsh. Yep. And, uh, you know, it was just uh, 
it was an easy thing to do. But but I think when you when when you do something like that, you got people individuals they run through a wall for you. Right. So yeah. right. You, you know, for him, it was no way we were going to let him down. We were going to fight to the end, and, and we were going to, you know, win football games and win championships. Jerry, the thing that uh, Gary Plummer, who's the linebacker for the team, told me once, he said, i never forget when I first met Mr. D. He said, he came to me and said, what do you need? What do you need to win? And whatever it is, I'll get it to you. True story? Did he do it with you? Oh, yeah. I think he probably did it with everyone. <laughs> well, the thing that struck me is when I, I first met you, I said, how many of these guys do you know? And you said, how many do I know? I know everybody. Yeah. I said, I just came from a team. I'm not going to mention that team, yeah. but the owner didn't know five of the players. Well, I, I, I knew everybody. Yeah. I mean, no, even the guys on the taxi squad. I, mean, I, I made it a point. I mean, I made it a point to have them know yep. that I cared. And if they, you know, if they ever needed anything, I was there to help them. Was it hard at all, though, because you, you, you realize, at least after a few years of owning a team, that some of these guys are going to leap. You've got to get rid of some of them. You know, they, they lose their skills or, or they get beaten up by somebody. How do you bounce those sort of two things? One minute you tell me I'm family, the next minute you're saying, let me help you pack. It, it, was, the worst thing in, 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 uh, it was the worst thing in the world that I ever had to face. And thank God that I let the football people do that. And seriously, my heart broke. Every time we lost a player, whether it was Jerry Rice, Montana, or anyone. Eddie, we got to go. Yep. Jerry, thanks for stopping thanks, by. Best thanks for having us, guys. Thanks, thanks, thanks for having This is the Talk of Fame Network, and we're back from Moscone Center live in San Francisco. The Talk of Fame Network, of course, is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, just log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that can clean up what may be slowing it down. That's MyCleanPC.com. And we're privileged to have another Hall of Famer here, and that's cornerback Mike Haynes. And, and Mike was one of the great players of, of all time. We saw him play. He's also a friend of the show. We've had him on here before, and Mike is here at the Super Bowl on behalf of Know Your Stats, um, Mike's a cancer survivor. And, Mike, if you could, please give us a, a little information or a lot of information about Know Your Stats and why people should know about it. Uh, well, thank you. I appreciate uh, an opportunity to really talk about it, first of all. Um, um, I found out that I had prostate cancer totally by mistake. You know, I was in the right place at the right time. Right. And um, uh, I want to make sure that other men find out because they're being responsible and taking their health seriously and they want to live a long time. Prostate cancer, if you wait until you're seeing symptoms, oftentimes that's too late. And, um, and uh, African-American men are doing that. So one in seven men will be diagnosed with prostate cancer in their lifetime. One in five African-American men. And if it runs in your family, it's like one in three. And so more men are going to get prostate cancer than women are going to get right. breast cancer. Right. But most men don't know anything about the prostate, where it's located, what a symptom is, any of that. And so we're just trying to change that. Uh, so I'm always asking uh, prostate survivors to w tell people, at least in the month of September, prostate, prostate Cancer Awareness Month, at least tell a couple of people about it. It's, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, because when I was diagnosed with it, when he said there's one in six men that would get it, I, th I thought, that can't be right. I've never even heard of it. I don't even right. know what it is. Well, since we're at Super Bowl 50, there's a coach here who's got prostate cancer, and that's special teams coordinator Bruce DeHaven from the Carolina Panthers. And he discovered it when he went for a checkup, and uh, he's been given – three to five years, but he's fighting through it and he's doing well, but there's a good example. There's a good example. And so for prostate cancer, a lot of guys wait until they have symptoms, and uh, that's just too late. It's the wrong uh, way to go about it. So hopefully our message is getting out. And, you know, you have, when you have guys like Harry Carson and Mark Allen and Ronnie Lott and 
Uh, Deacon Jones, before he passed away, we, today we had Curly Culp and Fred uh, Blitnikoff here. We have those guys looking in the camera and saying, men, get off the couch. Go talk to your doctor. Get educated. Know what your situation is. Every man should know their own risk. And if you're running your family, you should probably start to have that conversation with your doctor when you're about 40. If right. it doesn't run in your family, in your 50s, you know, 50, 55, you're, you're going to be fine. It's such a slow-growing cancer, right. you know, that you got time, but you got to catch it early. Right. Right. Yeah, well, it's, fun. it's funny, Mike, you, 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 you mentioned it. You've said this to me a couple of times. What's your number? You say, what's your number? No. And, and I was one of those guys who never really thought anything about it until uh, one of my friends said to me one day, yeah, you, have, you had, have you had been tested? I said, no, not really. This doesn't really strike me as something I want to do. Yeah. Uh, I said, I just don't think it feel that good. He said, well, how good do you think it feels to have prostate cancer? Why don't you just go get the test and yeah. stop being stupid? And, uh, you know, and it's really not a big deal, not what a lot of men think it is. You just go and get the test. Right. This is a simple blood test and the digital rectal exam, and we're talking about seconds. And a lot of guys say, man, I don't want to go to that digital rectal exam. Really? You'd rather die than yeah, go through exactly. that? Oh, right. you know, that's uh, and that's ridiculous. So now I am uh, a strong advocate for finding a better way to do it than that digital record. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. All right. you know, but in, but until they find a better way, we got to do that. Mike, are you disappointed that a return to L.A. didn't work out for the Raiders? Um, yes. Uh, if if you know for sure it didn't, uh, yes. I, I I did not know that it didn't work out for sure. Well, um, you know, uh, uh, but but you no. Know, to be honest with you, I've had conversations with Mark Davis. He wants to stay in Oakland. You know, he wants to get a dynamite stadium in Oakland. He wants to be able to attract the best players in the country to Oakland and play for the Raiders. Uh, and um, and so I'm not surprised that he wants to stay here because he said that to me, and I don't think he's going to change. Um, but if he do- he's also said that if he doesn't get a great stadium here, he has no choice. He's got to go other places. And so I was always hoping that L.A. would be that place. I want to keep the Raiders in, right. in uh, California at least, you know. Uh, and... Um, and I know a lot of Raider fans are there, and they would really support the team. It looks like they've got a cup and running. They've got a quarterback in place. Jeff Del Rio's done a nice job. Do you see a brighter future for that franchise? I do, but I don't see it happening if they don't get a stadium. Mm-hmm. You know, when, you, when you're talking to the best players in the country, you know, some of them, yeah, well, if you're, they're in their third or fourth year or something like that, maybe they come here because they go for the money. But if you're in their, like, eighth, ninth year, uh, you want to go to Super Bowl because your days are numbered. You want to get on the best team you can, the best ride you can get on to get there. And uh, if you don't have a, a, a state-of-the-art facility, you're not going to get them. I, I, today I was talking to guys and think about it. If you had the Seattle Seahawks, the Arizona Cardinals, the Dallas Cowboys, the Houston Texans looking for uh, a, a great player, and, and you also have the Raiders, which one do you think – the guy's going to go to you think the Raiders are even going to stay on the yeah, list right, right. I don't think so right. you know I don't think so so um so I think that if you're going to be able to recruit them and so when they were in LA everybody wanted to be on the Raiders Once upon a time half the league wanted to play yeah exactly wanted to play. that's because exactly. the Raiderettes <laughs> hey Mike a question for you. you you were a cornerback who did the improbable you tackled I mean you yeah. covered and you tackled what's happened to tackling in this league um I think that uh, the the biggest thing probably is that Guys have gotten so big and so fast, you know, in the inside, like the linebackers and safeties, that they don't need to anymore. The corners, they can get up there and just, you know, slow the guy down and wait for one of those fast guys to come up and make the tackle. So it's a little bit different. Uh, obviously, we got the big game on, on uh, Sunday. How do you see the game? Obviously, you got this number one defense of the Broncos, and the number one defense often wins in the Super Bowl. How do you see the game? 
Well, uh, I think this number one defense is going to be under a severe attack. <laughs> you know, um, uh, Cam Newton just extends the play, and, and every defensive back, that's the toughest thing in the world to do is cover a guy when he can go any place. You can cover him in that three-second period or three-and-a-half seconds, but when he's got five seconds to get open and the quarterback has an arm like Cam Newton, it's really, really tough. So, you know, I, I think that it's going to be a fun game to watch. I think Cam Newton will try to extend plays. But if the Denver Broncos can keep him contained and uh, make him run up the field, you know, fewer times, then I think they have a great chance. And I never thought the Denver Broncos would beat the Patriots. <laughs> well, we, we wish we could extend this segment, Mike, but we can. We're out of time. But thank you so much for dropping Thanks by. Thanks for having Thanks, me. And give me Mike an opportunity Haynes. to talk about this. Good to Hall see you. Hall of Famer. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Waking up with the Zabe. I would. The moment has arrived. I'm talking about, baby. I keep talking about the Super Bowl, baby. Super Bowl 50 is here. The Broncos are going to Super Bowl 50. And we are there on Yahoo Sports Radio, live from San Francisco. There will be some Panther silver at the golden anniversary Super Bowl. The Carolina Panthers, champions of the NFC, are headed to Super Bowl 50. Yahoo Sports Super Week. Week. Live from the site. It was caught. It's a touchdown. The Broncos. They know I'm getting the ball. They know I'm getting the ball tonight. For Lombardi. Oh, get the ball. On Yahoo Sports Radio. The new YahooSportsRadio.com. Oh, go get the ball tonight. Thanks to our friends at Mahindra taking us to Radio Row for Super Bowl 50. How much y'all charge? And Yahoo Sports Super Week, made possible by Granger. Ain't too much talking going on tonight. All about it. Are you ready? It's, it's Yahoo, Yahoo Sports, Sports Super, Super Week. Hey, quit calling the now live from the Moscone Center in San Francisco, California, this is a special edition of Talk of Fame. Live from the Super Bowl. Now, Ron Borges, Clark Judge, and Rich Gosselin. Well, this is a special edition of the Talk of Fame Network. We're at the Moscone Center here in San Francisco for our second annual Super Bowl edition. And before we get started, I'd like to talk to you about my clean PC. Because there you go. They sponsor the Talk of Fame Network. If your computer runs slowly, just log on to it, Ron. That's MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that can clean up what may be slowing your computer down. I'd suggest it, Ron. I've read your stories. That's MyCleanPC.com. <laughs> you some help. Um, enjoyed that first half of the show. Mike Kane's terrific. I, I, he's always good. Uh, friend of the show, Jerry. Eddie, the party's over because when we had Jerry and Eddie here, it was wow. tough to hear. Yeah. People were chanting their names. I wish we could have kept them longer. Um, it really is. It's like Super Bowl royalty or San Francisco royalty, as I said. Um, and I, I even saying, heard a couple of Los Lobos. In there. <laughs> I, I heard yeah. a couple, but those were the uh, producers saying, could you get him off the air, please? <laughs> um, the, he's, not, um, he's not here. Rich is here. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, um, the thing I remember about those 49ers teams, Ron, they were all known by their first name. It's, it's right. Jerry, Joe, right. Eddie, Steve. I mean, just that's right. how they, they thought of them, you know. They just thought them by their first names, and they still are. But uh, it was nice to see him here. Um, and, of course, Tyler Lockett. Um, good luck to him with the Pepsi Rookie of the Year. Right. Um, what but, a season that kid had. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Was special you, te- special well, teams. Uh, when you find some way to put your name in the same sentence with Gail Sayers, I mean, you know, you've done a ton. Yeah, well, he, he's, he's, a, he's a terrific player. He's got a bright future. Um, and I, I tell you, it's funny, someone who maybe doesn't have a bright future, but certainly has a bright past, is 
the defensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos. That's Wade Phillips. Guy who looked like he had no future. Just had a year. no future. And the thing that I don't get about this, and I don't know that he's been asked about this this week. I'm sure he has because you're asked a zillion questions. How does he go one year out of football? Everyone says Wade Phillips made such a difference this year. Rich or Rick or Goose, whatever your name is. Um, everyone says he made such a difference this year. How does he go a year out of the game? I mean, every time he takes over defense, his first year, and every year, his yeah, first year, that team goes to the playoffs. Hey, uh, the new breed of NFL doesn't want age. Every, every head coach is young, general manager is young. I mean, if you're an older guy, whether you're a scout or assistant coach or head coach, they don't want you. They, they want young guys to be the face of the franchise, and it just looks better on, on the sideline and game day, the TV cameras. Is it the same thing that's that sad, penalized? That's sad. Yeah, you're giving up 45 too. points. That doesn't look so Wait, good. Is it that's the same true. thing that penalized Arians? Penalized all these guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah Bruce Arians is a good example. They, everybody wants the, the, the Adam Gazes and, and the young guys to be the, the faces of the franchise. They don't want older guys. But when you look at this guy's resume, oh. as I said, hey, I mean. Hey, but that's, John Elway's about winning. Yeah. And that's right. why he go, you know, he goes get, gets Kubiak and he go gets uh, uh, Wade Phelps. I mean, he's he's all about winning, so he's not worried about the age. I mean, it's a ama- lot of owners are right. Well, it's amazing, Goose, because if you, if you just look at the guy's resume, you know that sells him. You yeah, exactly. Have, you don't need anything else. You know, you know, just read his resume. Who did better than he did? Well, that, and that's Coach what I defense. don't get here, Ron. Is that if if five guys walked in, I don't care how old they are, and they put their resumes down, you pick one out and said. This is the one I want. This is the keeper. Oh, what's his name? It's Wade Phillips. Because every year he takes over defense. And that first year, they go to the playoffs. Right. Jeez, I think I want to go to the playoffs. I wish I'd hire this guy. You saw, I mean, you saw him two weeks ago, that Denver team. Oh, man. They flummoxed Brady. They did what I didn't think was possible. They did turn him upside down. I mean, they, you know, they did what happens to every quarterback when they start getting you know, hit too much. He didn't know what to do uh, with the ball or where to go with it. Here's the magic. This, this game is all about quarterback and pass rush. You have to get to the quarterback. When he was in San Diego's last year, coordinator, 61 sacks. The second year in Dallas, 59 sacks. This year, the Broncos lead the NFL, 52 sacks. It's no surprise they're in the Super Bowl. And it wasn't Peyton Manning. And if Peyton Manning is going to have a fairy tale finish to the season, it's going to be the defense that hand delivers it. Right. No question about it. But, Goose, this is also, just to give you the sort of the counterpoint, this is also a league that keeps Dick LeBeau employed. And Dick LeBeau is not a young guy. So how do you explain that LeBeau is a guy that Tennessee wanted after Pittsburgh cast him off, but nobody wanted Wade Phillips? Well, he wasn't. Dick didn't go to Tennessee as defensive coordinator. Right, he he like, went as his defensive consultant. And he but, went but, because Ken Wisdom was a good friend of his. Right. But, but I'm just why. saying there was a place for him. Know. And now he's the defensive coordinator. Yeah. It's, it's who you know. Right. And unfortunately, in a lot, I'm sure in a lot of these cases, uh, if you've got a younger head coach, uh, he's not going to argue with the owner uh, over bringing in uh, you know, a 60-something-year-old Defensive coordinator is right. just not going to do it. You know, if you got an older guy who's had a lot of success, you know, Belichick can bring in whoever he wants. Uh, you know, but most of these guys aren't in that position. I mean, I think it's remarkable what Arians has done with some of the guys he's brought in. Here's here's why you want guys with, with success. Forty three of the forty nine Super Bowl champions finished in the top ten in scoring defense. Thirty nine of the champions finished in the top ten in defense. Defense still wins. You know, if you right. got a guy like Wade Wilson or Dick LeBeau or you know one of those veteran guys that, that knows how to play defense, that's right. a tremendous asset, especially in January and February. Well, an interesting subplot to this game is that Wade Phillips is also the guy who fired the special teams coordinator we talked about earlier. That's Bruce DeHaven. And Bruce was on that Buffalo Bills team that lost a playoff game 
in the Music City Miracle. Oof. And on the bus from that game, I know Bruce said, somebody's going to get thrown overboard, and it's going to be me. And you know what? He was right. It was right. him. And it took him a long time to get over that. In fact, he addressed it this year, and he said um, it, it took him almost 10 years to get over that. Um, and, but he did. He's made up with Wade. But that was not one of Wade Phillips's good decisions. But Wade Phillips was a head coach at that time. And as we've learned, Goose, over time, he's a better defensive coordinator than he is a head coach. Oh, and there are a lot of guys. North Turner, good example. North right. Turner is a failed head coach, but he's a great Offensive coordinator. You saw what he did with Teddy Bridgewater this right. year. 14 touchdowns, and they, and they win the division title. Wade Phillips, a lot of guys. There's, there's so many of those guys that become head coaches. Doesn't work out, go back, and again, become great coordinators. And Wade, Wade made the classic. I think Wade holds the record. I think he was a three-time interim head coach. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think he holds the record. He's a good guy to finish out a season. Is he going to be in our Hall of Fame shortlist for that? <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's a, that's a unique con- contribution. I'll tell you, uh, as a defensive coordinator... You know, if you put a Hall of Fame up for coordinators, yeah, certainly be a candidate. No, you're Dick right. LeBeau would be a candidate. Right. You'd have all kinds hey, of guys. And the other thing, Goose, is it's not as if this guy's an abrasive personality. He's one of the nicest guys going. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, right. he's an easy to get along with. And, and obviously, Bruce, you know, he did have an issue with him after that. And, and as he said this week, he didn't have a problem with me, but I had a problem with him, which meant somebody had to bury the hatchet, and was, and it was Bruce. And, right. and Wade Phillips, I think, was relieved. Well, I think it's pretty tough in that kind of situation, you know, when you lose that way and you have a sort of what I would call a knee-jerk reaction to what just happened and you, you, know, and you bang, you fire a guy like, like that. It's like, you know, step back. and I understand when you, you, know, when you were looking at it saying, what just happened? Right. On the hell did they, you let yeah, that yeah, out? A year later, he got fired. Right. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah. yeah, and they were a mess. The, the special teams were a mess the year later. Yeah, right. and um, sadly, they finished in the top ten of defense five straight years on the way out. Well, Goose, wow, they were a great defense. Is yeah. there any way he parlays this success into anything more than simply more years as a defense coordinator with the Denver Broncos? I mean, at this juncture, is is he out of options as a head coach? Just look around. There were yeah. seven openings this year, and they all went to offensive guys, most of them young offensive guys. They don't want defense in the head right. coach, right. and they don't want older guys. Well, I think they look at those guys, or the, you know, most of these owners would look at a guy like Wade and conclude, well, he can't relate to Cam Newton. I tell you, the players, Which I think is silly, but players love playing for Wade Phillips. Um, right. they, they, he's, he, he knows how to coach. He keeps it simple for him. He puts them in positions to succeed. They all love playing. Yeah, for and they're right. aggressive. They want to make plays. I yeah. mean, these guys want to make them plays. in position. Goose, what, what do you think he's going to have in mind for uh, Cam Newton this week? I mean, he put in a special defense at, as I said, Flemix Brady. What do you think he's going to do for Newton? Well, they're going to have to have a harder outside rush to keep him in the pocket, and I would I would take my biggest, fastest defensive player and make him spy. And just just wherever Newton goes, you go. Don't let him cross the line of scrimmage because he's going to have play actions, and, and you got to keep your eye on Cam Newton. He'll be the key to this game. I've got my eye on the clock, guys, and we're out of time. We're going to go to commercial. Pretty this good. is the Talk of Fame Network, and when we come back, we've got a special guest. This is the Talk of Fame Network, and we're back with you from Moscone Center. As you should know by now, the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly and my mouth runs slowly here, just log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that can clean up what may be slowing it down. That's MyCleanPC.com. And as we said before we went to commercial, we've got a special guest, and we do. It's Ulysses. Arata Carranza, the Director General of a very special website, PrimeroEDiaz.com MX. That's first down in English. 
and it's out of Mexico City. And I'll be honest with you, I met Ulysses today through Rick Oslin. And he's our special guest because, as you might know by now, tomorrow there's going to be an announcement that has all sorts of import for fans in this country and in the lovely and gorgeous country of Mexico. And that's a football game, regular season football game. It's the Raiders. It's the Texans. It's going to be Mexico City at Azteca Stadium where there have been six games before, but only one regular season game. And that last one was 2005 where there were 103,000 fans for the Arizona-San Francisco game. First of all, Ulysses, ¿cómo está? Oh, muy bien. I'm really good. Uh, thank you for having me, guys. It's, it's been amazing and it's an honor. And, yes, we the NFL is going, coming back to Taco City, Taco Mexico City. So, yeah. Are people there excited about it? Whoa, they love NFL. Uh, you might think that Mexico is a soccer a soccer nation, and it's, it is, but there's over 28 million NFL fans in Mexico. So, yeah, that's a lot of people that love NFL. You know, they said that NFL, first off, two records. They said the largest crowd ever see an NFL game, a preseason game, Cowboys Dollars in 1994, 112,000. And then in 2005, they set the regular season record with 103,000. The Cowboys have since broken that. Does that bother the people of Mexico that the Cowboys have the largest regular <laughs> Well, the and, problem and in Mexico uh, is that we do not have, like, these standing-up areas that they needed. The, the Cowboys needed to, to break the record. But <laughs> yeah, The Cowboys have those at Super Bowls. <laughs> they just don't yeah. sell them. <laughs> yeah. But, well, no, it doesn't bother us. It's, it's, we take a lot of pride for that because every time the NFL is at Mexico, Mexicans won go crazy. These, these guys love the NFL. Well, we love also the NFL. That's why we are here. So, yeah, it's quite popular sports. Can, can they break the record? Are they? Can the stadium? I don't think so because the, the stadium is going through remodulations. So it's going to be a little uh, smaller. Yeah, but it's got to have a lot of amenities. Last time the lockers were really small, so they have to put, uh, you know, uh, outside lockers for the players and it was not fun. Uh, so, yeah, the stadium has to Need, need some upgrades, so no, I don't think so. They we're gonna break the record. Okay, your, your website did a poll: the most popular teams in Mexico. Which team are the Mexicans gonna be cheering for in this game? Oh, uh, probably the Raiders because they're most popular than the Texans in Mexico. Uh, we run a poll. Yeah, Mexico is one and two is Cowboy is the Steelers and Cowboys, and that's because NFL came in Mexico at the 70s. So the 70s were. Cowboys and Steelers. So the first missions went over there, and then we got Septien that play with the Cowboys, and and then you got this, the the 49ers, the Patriots. The yeah, Ron was getting ready to punch you here. <laughs> <laughs> you had to come off the Patriots pretty quick in yeah. the list. Yeah, you well, Ron cheers for the Raiders on the air every week. Yeah, that's you well, you know, uh, I was I was at the unlike my two friends here. I actually was at that 1994 game with 112,376. Uh, people, the uh, Petroleros against the Vaqueros, as, uh, as I believe it was called down there. Whoa, and, your Spanish is amazing. <laughs> and the thing, one of the things I remember is it started raining just before they opened the the gates, and they finally decided. Guy from the NFL told me, "If you want a good story, just go down by the gates." And I said, well, "They decided we're just opening the gates." And it was like open seating, hundred twelve thousand people rushing in. The free stand. concert. It was it's a free concert, and those fans were wild. I mean, they were fired up for that for that game. You know, and it was it was uh, it was interesting. In, the, in those days, 
you know, it was one of the first games that they had taken outside of the country. It was the first game. Yes, yeah, you're right. And so, you know, the players even were, they didn't know what to expect, and they were kind of, uh, uh, you know, happy about the way they were received. Yeah, Mexico went crazy. And, yeah. and last year, Mexico got all kind of sports. They got Formula Uno. They got uh, NBA. They got a lot of sports. And the only thing that was missing was NFL. So NFL is now back. And we can be even more excited. You for attended that. the 2005 game as a fan, right? Yes. How exciting was that for you? Oh, it was amazing. It was my first NFL game outside. Uh, well, it was my first NFL game. I attended other games. But, wow, just the crowd. It was so loud. So loud. People were cheering everything. Cheering kick-ups. <laughs> going 10 yards deep because, you know, the attitude, the, the kicks were uh -huh. easier to make. Neil Rackett's got a, a record day almost there. And... The 49ers were quite popular over there. Uh, well, the team wasn't good. It was, they scored and a couple of, two, I think, two fumble recoveries and did, did anything at the offense. But people were really happy and were happy all week, all all week long because it was also Sunday night football. So wow, mm -hmm. what what else can you expect? So yeah. Mexican people are going to be really excited about this. We're talking to Ulysses Arada Carranza, the director general of PrimeroEDS.com MX, and we're looking at your website right now. And it's interesting because you've got basically um, a, a, a list, but it's a visual list, uh, very easy, very easy graphic to, to, do, to discern, but it's a, a list of the, the most popular teams in Mexico. And it starts... With the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it works its way down to number 10, Ron's Oakland Raiders. Unbelievable. They, gotta be, they should be higher than You know that. what I find interesting on that, that uh, top 10? There's no San Diego Chargers. And because San Diego is so close to Mexico, I realize it's not close to Mexico City, but so, so close to Mexico, you'd think there would be a little bit of a bump for the Chargers. They stink. Is, is that a reflection <laughs> of Mexican the Chargers? Mexican football fans are the same as American Chargers football fans. Chargers not being any good. They they, like maybe them. they should move the Chargers to Mexico <laughs> City. It's almost all winning teams. Yeah, that's an interesting graphic you've got there, though. I mean, it's, it's very easy to look at, and it's, and it's very interesting, too. I mean, here's... Pittsburgh is at 15.79% with a close second to Rick Goslin's Dallas Cowboys and Ron's New England Patriots, a third. And then it drops off to the, the, the 49ers and the Ravens. But then from there on, there's a significant drop. And it goes to Green Bay 6, Buffalo 7. I don't yeah, get that right. one. Can you explain the Ravens to us? The Ravens. I can, ju I can logically justify the other four. How do the Ravens show up? The Ravens is amazing. It's it took me by surprise, too, but last year, Ray Lewis was there, uh -huh. and there was a, a, an autograph signing, and the mall was packed, packed by Ray Lewis jerseys. i never seen a Ray Lewis jersey in my life in Mexico, <laughs> and that day, there were, there were thousands, thousands of fans lining up, and, Jerry, uh, and Ray was super nice. He, was, he got one hour and stayed three hours signing autographs for wow. everybody. Yeah, yeah, he... That day, I think the Ravens fans became hardcore Ravens fans. The other ones are easy to explain. So, yeah. So, uh, well, you know, Cowboys. There's always Cowboys, Cowboys and Steelers, and there's a lot. I'm surprised the Cowboys aren't fair. I mean, just sort of logically, you think the Cowboys would be the number one. Oh, the Steelers. Were, were you surprised when it, when uh, it came out that way? Uh, I'm not surprised uh, because it's really close. So it's Cowboys and Steelers, Cowboys and Steelers. So... And the Cowboys got pissed off, yeah. And if the Steelers weren't too, the Steelers fans at Mexico were really pissed off. So <laughs> they're, they're angry fans also. So <laughs> Really quick question. 
NFL's talking about going to Europe. Can you see one day the NFL having a team in Mexico City? I don't think so. I don't think so, but, well, I, we'll never know. Well, that's why you're here. We, we, yeah. If they do get a team there, we're going to contact you because we will know. And he'll, Ulysses, be the, guys, he'll be the vice president. He'll be the vice president. Ulysses, thanks for stopping by. we got to run. We'll look for you in Mexico City for that football game, Raiders and the Texans. That's Ulysses Arata Carranza, and this is the Talk of Fame Network from Super Bowl 50. It's the Talk of Fame Network. We're back to you live from Moscone Center in downtown San Francisco, great city, as Ron calls it, the Paris of the United States. Paris in the U.S. Yeah, and it is. Um, it's a great city. We're having a lot of fun here, and we've had a lot of fun with a lot of guests today. I would like to... Now change this conversation, Goose, and, and go to our website, which is TalkOfFameNetwork.com. But before I do, I'd like to remind you guys, just in case you've forgotten, the Talk of Fame Network, Ron, who's it brought to you by? MyCleanPC.com. You, you passed the exam. Good. If your computer attention. runs slowly, just log on which to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, Ron, you can download software that can clean up what may it's be Better slowing. than my diagnosis, which is this thing doesn't work. Maybe slowing your computer down or your brain down. That's mycleanpc.com. And I mentioned, Goose, on our website, talkoffamenetwork.com, we've got a poll. And the poll is... We have a the, poll every week. We do. And, and Goose puts it together and does a great job. But, but we've got a poll on the greatest Super Bowls ever. And, and it's a great list, but I'm disappointed. And, in fact, I'm shocked by the results because in last place right now, last place, guys, is a game I know we all remember Super Bowl three, and when we were polled by some people, including the San Jose Mercury News, I put Super Bowl three as my greatest Super Bowl ever, simply because of the ramifications yeah. putting the AFL on the same footing as the NFL. Goose, I think you did the yeah, same. I the same thing. Greatest I, impact. I, I, I can I can still visualize a lot of moments in that game. The the, the, the Oromoro, Jimmy Orr, Namath walking off, Matt Snell, Johnny Sample. I mean. I, 40, what, 47, 46 years ago, and I can still see things. Randy, Randy Beverly catch, intercepting yeah. that pass. It got t- tipped up in the air and just kept going. Oh, there's a pass off Tom, was... uh, Tom Mitchell's uh, shoulder pads. It was poorly right. thrown. There's yeah, Jerry Hill waving. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, it was uh, Jimmy Orr waving, and he throws the ball to Jerry Hill instead. Jimmy Orr's alone in the end zone. Four interceptions. So we mentioned uh, Lou Michaels, two missed field goals, including a 27-yard. I mean, and there was Unitas almost doing uh, it. Yeah, yeah, but he, I mean, that, he, had no he was a shell still, of himself. But I, still, I remember him coming out, that yes. crowd going bonkers Crazy. when he came out. Because right. here comes Gianni and We've seen this so many times before. But that, that game set the stage for pro football going forward. Yeah, that's that right. That set the stage for all upsets in Super Bowls thereafter. Right. And that game put Joe Namath in the Hall of Fame. You look at Joe Namath's numbers, right. they're not Hall of Fame worthy. But that game, the historical perspective of that game, put Joe Namath in the and, and, you know, one of the things about that game uh, – a lot of people don't know is the main reason the Jets won that game was that uh, the uh, Jets coach Weeb Eubank knew the Colts players so well from having coached them for so long. He knew to attack Ordell Bracey, who was right at the end of his career, uh, and the linebacker behind him. He knew that they they wouldn't hold up. At least he believed he wouldn't, and, right. and he was right. You know, and uh, it, it was really fascinating. Just sort of shows you how you know when you've got a guy who's got quote unquote inside information. Um, Who they run behind? Winston Hill, right? Who should be in the Hall of Fame? Should be in the Hall of Fame. And we're talking exactly. to, ta- talking to Matt Snell that they believed they were the better team. As the next year, the Chiefs believed they were the better team, even though both teams were, were huge underdogs. You know, the interesting thing is I mentioned the San Jose Mercury News, and I used to work there, covered the 49ers for six years, and 
I still have an affection for that do you have paper. A job, uh, do you ever have a job that didn't last more than four minutes? And you've worked every place. It's incredible. <laughs> you should talk. <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> the Mercury News had a poll that I mentioned Goose and I participated in, and the Super Bowl three was not its number one game. It was Super Bowl forty two, And, Ron, you remember that game pretty well. Super Bowl forty two. Be the Patriots. Yes. And the G-Men. Right. Yeah, you know, I, David I, Tyree. We asked Jerry Rice about that catch, and well, I mean, listen, you, you, you prevented a team from going nineteen and zero with a miracle catch. And it's the catch. That's I, I really think it's the catch that people. I mean, Dwight Clark's the catch. Come on, <laughs> in this town it is. I mean, I, <laughs> that's right. I, I think that's why people remember that game as much, and, and the fact, as you point out, they were Patriots were headed for the undefeated season. But uh, you know, when I think of Patriots Super Bowls, I think of the of the victory over the Rams. Well, right. I tell you, you could build a list of top five, five Super Bowls and have every one include the Patriots. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, that first one, I thought that the greatest coaching job in history was the Patriots beating the Rams. And then the 2007 game. Right. And then the 2011 game when the Giants beat them again. Right. The 2003 game, which put Brady on the map. The 2004 game with, again, the late field goal against the Eagles. Sure. And those were five great games by one franchise. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. And, and, and you know, in a different way, you can even, because it became such a, uh, a iconic game, was when they lost to the Bears. It got destroyed by the Bears, you know. and, and Iconic and fr- game in your eyes, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the, you know, and the, but, I mean, you know, and the fridge going in for the touchdown of Walter Bate does get I mean, all those things that happened in that. Game stunk. <laughs> I don't think Bill Parcells put that in the top yeah, five. I don't history. either. Game stunk. Well, how about, how about last year's game? Honestly, last year's game. You talk yeah. about drama going yeah. down the very end and the worst call and the, the worst play calls. in the history of calls. I like when you said the worst. What was the worst play in the history of the Super Bowl? And everyone goes, oh, easy. You know, it was, it was last year. Pete Carroll saying, it wasn't the worst play. It was the worst call. I don't care what you call it. Right. It was stupid. Right. It was el stupido. I'll that tell you, the, the, the one underrated game was that Pittsburgh-Arizona circuit. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a great game. I mean, the, the Harrison interception, the Fitzgerald touchdown, and I right. thought the and most that perfect the pass wow. ever thrown in a Super Bowl. You're right. Was catch. That, that threw three defenders with Santonio Holmes barely, barely with the tippy toes and right. bounds. I, that was a terrific game that I think is very underrated in the analysis. Yeah, that was a great game. No, you, you're right. That was, that was had a great finish, and you're right, with a heroic. It wasn't like last year's. Was a great game, but it had a screw up at the end. This wasn't right. a screw up. Yeah, when when the final play is a winning play, right, as That's opposed right. to a losing play, which right. is what we saw last year. I think that gives it gives it an edge. Funny thing about that game last year was, uh, you know, Belichick talking uh, later about it and talking about how <laughs> this cracked me up. It's so typical Pete Carroll, and and so typical Belichick. Belichick talking about looking across the field and said. It seemed there was some confusion there. You know, <laughs> like he could tell they got a problem, so he sent Butler in the game. It was. It, Whoa. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Well, the thing I couldn't understand was why he didn't take a timeout. As it turns out, he was smart. That's why he didn't. You know, it turns he out. Said, I said, you got to start saving your time. They're going to score. Right. He said he didn't call a timeout because he thought there was confusion over there. Right. And it better that they play in confusion. That's why he's the genius you say he well, is, Well, I'm telling you, there's, there's but- Einstein and there's Bill Belichick, one and two. <laughs> not sure which one's one. Ron, B- Butler got the crap. I thought Brandon Browner made that play. Tremendous. He did. Jam that guy. He, he screwed up the, the pick play. I, that was that was a great right. play by Brandon Browner. Right. And, you know. It's one of the few times he wasn't penalized, too. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and you have to give Belichick credit for that play because they had practiced during the week and Butler did not play it right. And he stopped the practice and went roaring in there like a maniac screaming at him. You bust up in there. Jumped you the bust road. up in Jumped there. The road, yeah. And 
when and to the kid's credit, now when the occasion arose, boom, he busted up in. Ron, did that play set the stage for what the Patriots did with their defense afterwards? In other words, they let well, they would let Browner walk because he was a penalty waiting to happen. Right. But they let Revis walk too, knowing that okay, we've got a young kid here. We think we can develop. Yeah, I, I think that you know Browner. They got they let him go because if you weren't going to have Revis and you weren't going to play uh, that kind of you right. know, pressure uh, from the corners, which they weren't going to do with with Butler and, and whoever else he was playing with, you couldn't use Browner because he can't play zone. Uh, so once they once they committed to saying, well, Revis has just cost too much money. And actually, if you watched Revis this year, uh, again, it looked like, you know, insider trading. You know, he's not, at least this year, yeah, right. maybe he was fat. I don't know what it was, but he was not the same player. Yeah, especially that Buffalo game at the end. Right. I mean, Sammy Watkins lit him up. Did light him up. And then and who would have ever predicted that, you know. So it whether a, it's a one-year thing right, or whether he's starting to slide. We'll it see. was a flood in Revis Island. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I watermarked. Yeah, well, it's like uh, Bobby Beathard used to say, and I know others have said it too, but you'd rather get rid of a guy one year too soon than one year too late. Sure. And, and the Patriots got right out, rid of him, it looks like, at, at the right time. Well, certainly for the price. For the pr- I'm saying for the I price. Mean, That's right. Could he have helped him? Absolutely could have yeah. helped him. I mean, Mother's playing for free, basically. Right. I mean, hey, Ron, what, what happens to that team next year? Well, it's a good question. I mean, I mean, they, you know, they have most of their guys coming back, you know, their top three defenders are, are all uh, under contract for another year, Collins and, and uh, Hightower and, and – Chandler Jones, um, you know, the, the, to me the question has to be, uh, Clark will pass out, but uh, you know, how much longer do you need to go with a quarterback who's 38 and now he's going to be 39? Uh, Especially you know, if you can't protect them. Yeah, I mean, if he's you've you got to get – if I was drafting for them, now they don't have a first-round pick. I'd find some way Where'd to – Where'd that go, Ron? I forget where it went, but I'll bet you well, know. That's Clark. Yeah, uh, you know what? I'm going to ask Ted Wells. Got nice deflated. job, Ted. He got deflated. But they better fight. I would trade to get a first-round pick. They've got plenty of other picks. You know what? I'd take them to court over that. I'd take them to court because you're going to win. Rock, first three picks, offensive line. They're out yeah. of a first-round pick. We're running out of time here. So we're going to go to commercial. This is the Talk of Fame Network, live from Moscone Center, Super Bowl 50, downtown San Francisco. We'll be back right after this. This is a special edition Talk of Fame Network. We're back to you live from Moscone Center, downtown San Francisco. And you know what? We're not talking sandwiches or tacos here. We're talking Super Bowl 50. Indeed before we yeah. do, remind you, the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, just log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. Free, Ron, free. That means you don't free have to pay anything. Good. And within minutes... You can download software that can clean up what may be slowing it down. That's MyCleanPC.com. And since we're here in San Francisco, can guys. download it f- for you because you're <laughs> clearly slowing down. Yeah, well, <laughs> take a lot more than MyCleanPC.com to get me started. Um, since we're here in San Francisco at the Moscone Center, I figured it's probably a good idea to, um, yeah, talk about the Super Bowl. So, Goose, you want to get it started? Uh, who do you like in this game and why? I love the number one defense in the land. Because the um, number one defenses in this game have played 15 times, and they're 11-4. And, and two of the losses came before 1970, when the, there were two separate leagues, and both conference, or both league champions were number ones. So they're technically 11-2, and two, and if Russell Wilson doesn't throw that pick last year, they're 12-1. and one. Number one ranked defenses has a powerful record in this game. That's why he is Dr. Dad. That is why. That Ron? Is why. You know, like here? If, if he had been quality control for the Seattle Seahawks, 
Go to haul it down there at, at Pete and said, explain to him what the situation <laughs> yeah. might be. And then Pete would have been what? Yeah. Bumped oh. and jacked. <laughs> bumped and jacked. Exactly right. Uh, I tend to agree with the gooser on this. Uh, well, look. Uh, Mr. Offense here disagrees. these guys two weeks ago and for the same reason. that they, you know, uh, I don't care how good your quarterback is. I don't care how good your offense is. If you're upside down, it's extremely hard to do your job. You've managed to do it pretty well, Clark, all these years. <laughs> but in general, it's not that easy. So who's going to be upside down Cam, in this game? Cam Newton. I don't think he's so. Gonna be, he's going to get the gam shaft. In this I don't one. think so. This is not the New England Patriots line well, that's, that's uh, a good protecting point. the quarterback. That is, well, that is true. Um, these are not, We're not protecting. Equipment. These are not dogs chasing a truck. This game, um, they're going to protect this guy. So if they protect him and he's able to get time to at least survey the field, and oh, guess what? He can run. And you know what? Who gave this team? I'm talking about Denver. Some fits this year. Alex Smith, whom you saw yeah. in Kansas City. Alex Smith is a good runner. Ain't Cam Newton. No, he's not Cam Newton. You're right. Uh, if Wade had more, two weeks to prepare for Alex Smith, I'm sure they would have done a better job on well, Alex Smith. He's got two weeks to prepare for Cam Newton. Well, I, I, in, the, in the previous segment, I was asking about Wade Phillips and, and what you thought he might throw at them that they, they don't expect. And you were talking about, essentially, I think, rushing wider. Uh, make sure he doesn't flush. Make sure they have a spy the on this guy. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you think Carolina is going to see something or we're going to see something that we haven't seen before from Denver? Yeah. You know who I'd spy him with? Trevathan. Why? Be because good. he can run like crazy. Yeah. He can run like crazy. That's probably that, that's a good call. Wherever you run, I'm faster. Yeah, but this guy runs over people, not well, around him. Not that easy to run over Trevathan. I mean, I, I think it's, if I'm going to spy him, which I think is is the wise thing to do, that's, that's the guy yeah. I'd use. Yeah. There's nothing for you, Clark. The, 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 the Panthers are the 19th team to score up 500 points and reach the Super Bowl. 19th? Is that right? 19th. Really? And only four of those teams went on to win the Super Bowl. So take your points. Here's, well, so one here's, of those teams that lost was the Denver Broncos two years ago. And it's the Legion of Boom. But and, this ain't the and, Legion of Boom they're playing. And the 2007 Patriots. The two highest scoring teams in football. 2013 Broncos, 606 points. 2007 Patriots, 589. And both of them lost Super Bowls. What are those 19, uh, 19, 19 teams have scored 500 plus? 19, yeah. And only four of them have won Super Bowls. Wow. Six have lost Super Bowls. Well, I'm going to tell you what, guys. I'll take you on in this one because I like Carolina for this reason. You like I'm, offense. You like offense. No, no, it has nothing to do with offense. No, unlike you guys, I took Seattle two years ago saying a great pass rush and a great defense will beat this quarterback. We haven't seen anything like Peyton Manning and the Broncos. Well, apparently we had, and Seattle stuck it to him with the Legion of Boom. This ain't the Legion of Boom no, that they're, they're playing. They're, no, not better. Are you kidding? What have you been watching? Yeah. I watched him just kill the Patriots. The, the, the Carolina Panthers have two weapons. Greg Olson and right. the quarterback. What about Jonathan Stewart? Uh, what about, take, you what, can take, what about you Ted can, Ginn? Denver has Ted three. Ted Ginn? Yeah, well, look, the last time I checked, he had, what, 10 touchdowns this year? Listen, what, 20 drops? They, they, We've they been have, watching 10 Ginn they, too long. They have people who... You, 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 people. Good word. They well, have people. Yeah, they're role players. And, and they're doing... Unlike the Patriots in 2007, this team's actually accelerating through the playoffs. They're accelerating. They're getting better. Well, my man's been watching Ted Ginn. He's been treating Ted Ginn. He's, he's always been an <laughs> offensive guy. He is. He has no appreciation for quality defensive No, they, it's Wait, amazing. Man, we've just we been extolling this? Wade Phillips. I do have an appreciation, but I do have an appreciation for a team that's on a roll. And this team is on a roll. They played a good defense against Arizona. What did they do? Destroyed them. They played a very good defense against Seattle, a team that was 
on a roll in six road games and won all six, giving up one touchdown, destroyed them. So I, I don't like your chances, guys. The Broncos tippy toed in or what? Yeah. When they just beat your guy, Tom Brady. Yeah, they did. You, a week ago, you were telling us the greatest quarterback in history of football, but right. now you're saying, can't lose. That, that, Wait a minute. I believe you said that can't lose. I, I never that said that. Count. I told you yesterday, my list starts with Unitas, then it goes to Graham, and then you go, oh, yeah, Brady and Montana. Three weeks guys. ago, Bay Brady, Area guys. Wilson, Unitas. That's, right. That's exactly right. The guy loses one. <laughs> <laughs> you I, bailed on him. Yeah, I, I did not the, bail on him. You didn't know Tom Brady. Tom AFC. Brady's the best quarterback of his generation, and I think that the third best, tied for the third best quarterback of all time, with another Bay Area product, now Joe Montana. You know what, guys? I love them both. But you know what I like better? I want to go to dinner, and there we're we out go. of time. All so right, time we're going. We'll go to commercial, and see when we tomorrow. come back tomorrow, there'll be someone else here. But you know what? We're going to see you tomorrow on the Talk of Fame Network. Yes, sir. See you later.